Hello and welcome back to the To The Heights podcast. This is Olivia Colombo. I'm a young Catholic changemaker and I'm so excited to be embarking on this project of sharing stories of the young people of the Catholic Church and those who minister to them. The title, To The Heights, is a translation of the quote, Verso Lealto, by Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a 24-year-old student and lover of mountain climbing, who is on his way to canonization because he dedicated his life to caring for the poor and vulnerable. His catchphrase, to the heights, serves as a prayer and reminder for many to keep working and achieving for the glory of God. One of the inspirations for this podcast was that as I was beginning to work in Catholic journalism, I was recording conversations and interviews with so many inspirational Catholic people who are reaching to the heights in their own ways. Our guest today was one of those people who when I was interviewing last fall, I thought to myself how so many hearts could be changed and motivated by hearing this person's voice and beauty and joy and just her pure love of God. I'm so grateful that our guest, Sister Chelsea Bethany Davis, agreed to chat with me again, this time recording on the podcast to share a bit of her story. She's a young daughter of St. Paul, an order who's often referred to as the media nuns because of their publishing house and involvement in other types of media, including their presence on social media, which Sister Bethany is quite popular amongst the Catholic Twitter community. As she's studying at the Catholic University of America and living with the Daughters of St. Paul community in Alexandria, Virginia, Sister Bethany called in, and we chatted about her journey to becoming a sister, the biggest struggles and joys of her vocation, as well as what her daily life looks like. All right, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation and get inspired by Sister Bethany's story of reaching to the heights. All right, so I am here in the Catholic TV studio in Watertown, and I have a very exciting guest on the phone. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Sister Bethany, and I'm a daughter of St. Paul, and I'm currently stationed in Alexandria, Virginia. I'm so, so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, Sister Bethany and I, we met a couple months ago, um, actually at Mm -hmm. one of the Daughters of St. Paul Christmas concerts, um, which (laughs) I love those concerts very, very much. So do I, but I'm biased. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Um, But I we have not talked about this, but you were actually one of the motivating factors behind starting this podcast. There's a fun fact. Um, because, really? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I started reporting for I, I've reported for school newspapers for several years, but I started reporting for the Torch, which is BC's Catholic newspaper, um, and I was out reporting on the Christmas concert, and that was kind of like the final straw. And I had been. I don't know, like recording interviews with so many really, really cool people. And I always would sit down to write down the interviews and be like, I only have 500 words to express like the awesomeness and the eloquence of this person. Um, But then I had your interview and I had the file on my computer and I was like, I just wish the whole world could hear like how lovely she is and how lovely her voice is. (laughs) And like (laughs) just the joy, like, I don't know. Anyway, the motivation behind starting a podcast was to have the ability to share people's voices and like the joy that you can hear um in different people's voices with the world rather than just in written form so thank you for your uh (laughs) behind the scenes motivation oh absolutely that's that's actually very delightful to hear it's always fun because like as a sister i feel like i do things kind of like this or other things i get to meet a lot of people in our ministry and it's like you don't always get the like, gratification of feedback. Like you meet somebody once and then you move on to the next parish or the next event or the next thing, you know? Yeah. And so it's like you don't always get to like hear back from that person or whatever. So it's always really like fun and, and encouraging um, when somebody comes back and is like, that really like made a difference or that was really um, helpful for me or um, I wanted to share this conversation. And so... Uh, thank you for sharing that because that always is really encouraging, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That's yeah, that's awesome. I I can definitely imagine that, especially as you guys yeah. travel um, a fair bit. But I guess that would yeah. be a good place to start. Would you like to tell me? I don't know. Whatever order you want to start, and maybe what the mission of the Daughters of Saint Paul is. But maybe first, how you ended up there. Where did you grow up, and at what point did you decide um, to become a sister? Sure. 
Yeah, because I think that our mission as Daughters of St. Paul is very ingrained into my vocation story, because the Lord always uses our gifts and our talents, and the Lord always uses, like, He he built us a certain way, you know, like, He created us with something in mind, and He gave us certain um, gifts and abilities to do just different things and draw us towards things, um, things that we love to do maybe in our spare time or things that we're good at. Um, And so, like, the Lord drew my heart towards the daughter of St. Paul because I like to think it's like, well, that's how he built me. Yes. <laughs> he, he built me with, you know, like with that. He created me with that in mind. Um, so my vocation story is very much wrapped in um, in that framework. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I grew up um, in Maryland. So I currently am stationed only like a little over an hour away from where I grew up from my parents. So my mom is delighted. It's the closest <laughs> I will ever live to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> As a daughter of St. Paul, because we are all over the world, and the closest convent is Alexandria, so my mom's delighted. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I grew up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I told her, she was like, are you kidding? I was like, no, she's like, that's so exciting. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I grew up in Maryland um, in kind of the central rural part of Maryland. Um, my family raised goats and longhorn cattle. Um, we didn't have a huge farm. My grandparents have 200 acres. They've got a big farm. Wow. Um, but my family has a small farm, and I kind of grew up in an area that was uh, kind of like Farmville. <laughs> like, uh, there wasn't a whole lot around. We went to the same church that my parents went to, that my grandparents went to, that my great-grandparents went to. So um, it was just kind of a small-town mentality, um, more or less. And I'm the oldest of six kids. And... Um, so the reason I mentioned I was in the rural area was not a lot of religious came out to that area. Um, I only knew a handful of priests. I knew our parish priest that I had known. I think he came to our parish when I was like four or something. <clears throat> and um, he had been my priest, like he had been our parish priest for as long as I can remember, really. So I only knew him and then the priest that would sometimes come down from Mount St. Mary's to help us out. So I really didn't know any, like, priests or, like, religious people really at all. Um, But when I was in eighth grade, my mom signed me up for class. And um, she called me downstairs. She's like, I signed you up for class. It's at church. All your friends will be there. And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) And so um, I ended up going to this class because, I mean, like, my friends were there, so whatever, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll <Yeah>. go. <laughs> um, so I end up going to this class. I walk in, and the first thing that I see is a nun, a religious sister. She was a little sister of the poor from Baltimore. Oh. And um, it was the first sister that I remember seeing in habit. My mom has told me that I have met sisters before. We didn't live too, too far from the St. Elizabeth Van Seton Shrine, um, which is run by the Daughters of Charity. And so I met sisters, but not too many in habits and not too many that I remember. And um, I love the Daughters of Charity, by the way. Yes, <laughs> right? yeah. But, um, but so the Little Sisters of the Poor was first sister. I was like, whoa, you can't see their hair. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Um, so I walk in, and I was just, I sat down with my friends. I was a little weirded out because I didn't really realize that nuns were, like, still a thing, that nuns were still around. Um, I knew that people became sisters, religious sisters or nuns, like back in the olden days, like when St. Therese of Lisieux was alive, or yeah. like St. Avila, or St. Clair, you know, things like that. I'm like, that was like, nuns are from the medieval ages. They're not really <laughs> around now. So like meeting this sister, I was like, whoa, who is this like foreign person from another dimension? Like, I, <laughs> I didn't really get it. Um, and so the way that the lady who was running the class, she set it up that, um, I think it was like an hour and a half. So it was um, 40 minutes the priest spoke and then 40 minutes the sister spoke So that, because it was a co-ed class. Um, and I just remember sitting there and as the sister shared her vocation story, I remember being really struck by her joy and by her happiness um, and just like desiring that. Like I felt myself being like, whatever she's got going on, like I want some of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that joy and that happiness. Like you could really tell that she's in love with Jesus that she loved the church, that she loved her sisters and community. Um, she brought an older sister with her just, like, as a accompaniment. And I was like, that's so sweet. <laughs> like, yeah. So cute. Um, and, like, but the other thing that struck me is that she really loved us, and she loved being there with us and spending time with us. Um, 
my gosh, rambunctious eighth graders. <laughs> I'm just sitting on the floor. The other thing that this mom, like lady, she's a mom of one of my friends, um, did to um, for the class was because we're 13 years old, she was like, we're going to have like a little snack in the middle. Like we're going to do like sister's story, break for 10 minutes, and then father's story, right? So she found out, the, the lady found out what sister's favorite snack food was. And I just remember that sister's favorite snack food was McDonald's French fries. And that's really important to me because I was like, oh, my gosh, she knows what McDonald's is. She's not from a foreign, like, she's not from a different dimension. Yeah. Like, a different time period. She knows what McDonald's is. And she likes their fries. Like, (laughs) that's so normal. And so, to me, it was like, oh, this sister, like, she's got joy. And she's, like, relatively normal. And, like, she wears funny clothes. But she loves Jesus. And she obviously loves us. And, to me, that was really striking. And so this class that my mom signed me up for was like six weeks long. So it happened again and again over the six weeks. Like I found that same joy and that same peace and that same happiness um, with every religious sister that that spoke to us. And I thought that that was such a beautiful thing to experience. And then, I mean, as an eighth grader, like food is a way to my heart. So, <laughs> yes. Like one of the sisters, it was like, she liked Oreos. And I was like, I love Oreos. Like, wow. <laughs> like, what a connection. Yeah. <laughs> As an eighth grader. So like, I think for me, it was really just seeing the sisters' joys, joy and happiness and hearing their stories and hearing um, their personalities and how they were all different, but the Lord called them where they were and took them as they were, and they didn't become cookie cutters, and they didn't become robots, but they came perfectly themselves. Um, they still liked things like French fries and Oreos, and they still, um, but they prayed with their sisters, and they loved their sisters, and they loved the church, and they loved Jesus, and um, but they all brought their own unique personality and, and um, themselves to their mission um, that they've been called to carry out. And so um, that was something that was really striking to me as an eighth grade. I was like, I, I want that. I want to be that happy and that joyful um, as an adult. You know, like I want to do, like if, if following God's will gets you to be like that, then I want to be like that. <laughs> like, yes. I want to I follow God's will too. So I, um, at the end of this class, the lady that was running the class did an amazing job of like giving us all of the contact info of all the sisters, but she also threw in our like little goodie bag thing, um, a magazine that had for all the girls, it was like 50 women's religious orders in the United States or something. Hmm. And, um, it just, it was a simple little booklet, but it was like a picture and then a description below. And I'm flipping through it and there's pictures of like, you know, the little sisters before, like nuns with old people or like the Dominicans, there's like nuns in a classroom yeah. and like there are different pictures of like sisters walking through the woods, like blissfully, <laughs> which we never do anymore, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, just sisters like doing different things or community pictures and they all look like really joyful or really peaceful or, and so I'm flipping through and I'm like kind of marking the ones I'm like, maybe I should like reach out to these sisters or these things and I'm looking at their charisms and, um, I really loved music and I really loved children. So I was like, maybe teaching or maybe like um, something to do with music. I don't know. So I'm flipping through this and all of a sudden I I flip open this page and there's a nun with a TV studio camera. (laughs) And she like, and like when I see TV studio, like, like it needs the tripod with the wheels to move it. Like it's not like a camcorder kind of deal that like your dad in the nineties would like, (laughs) film you opening your Christmas presents. It was a TV studio video camera. And um, she had on these massive headphones with a microphone. I thought that that was the coolest thing I had seen in that magazine yet. Um, Because you could tell that the sister was like working, but the smile on her face was kind of like, she was working, but she was happy to do what she was doing. And I was like, okay, that's legit. Like, I, lo- I love that, you know, um, because I loved, you know, media and computers. And um, I loved to read. I started reading when I was really young, and I loved, loved, loved to read. Um, and so, like, when I read the description of this community, the Daughters of St. Paul, um, it talked about how the sisters were to be like St. Paul living today. And to use all the most effective means of communication to spread um, 
the love of God, really, to, to give Jesus Christ to every person wherever they were. And to me, that spoke volumes of, like, as a 13-year-old, you weren't going to find me, like, on the, the Adoration Chapel floor. Like, you know, my, yeah. my family is a good Catholic family. Like, we went to Mass on Sundays, and my family raised us in the faith, or, and they're they wonderful. Um, but, it, like, you're thir- I'm a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. I was, like, more interested in figuring out how to put on mascara than I was to, like, go to church, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I was like, the sisters want to be with me where I am. They want to be in the magazines I read and on the, you know, at the time, you know, Facebook feed that I'm reading, or they want to be, you know, writing books that I'm reading, and they want to bring Jesus to where I am as a 13-year-old, and not just me, but they want to bring Jesus to my two-year-old little brother, and they want to bring Jesus to my mom and my grandpa, and like, they want to be, they were sisters for everyone. And I thought that that was so beautiful and so touching. And so I ended up writing to, like, a bunch of the communities that I marked. Um, but the Daughters of St. Paul ended up writing back to me, and we're like, come visit. Um, so my parents did. They let me visit. They let Aww. me fly up to Boston, yeah. <laughs> which is where Mother House is, which is amazing. Yes. Um, and, and visit the sisters. I mean, I guess there are, like, worse things than your 13-year-old daughter being like, for my birthday, can you buy me a plane <laughs> ticket to go visit nuns? <laughs> I was like, oh, True. hallelujah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, it, it's just been like this wild ride of like the Lord speaks to you in, in all sorts of ways, like the way that he made your heart. Um, and I think for me, like finding peace in, in all of it, like in each step of the journey, um, just like finding like, where's the Lord in all of this? And like, where's my sense of peace? Um, yeah. So I entered at 20. Um, I knew the sisters. It's actually really wild that I live in Virginia right now um, because I ended up knowing the sisters all through high school because I visited them when I was first. I think I just turned 14 when I visited the sisters the first time. And they told me they were sisters, their sisters in Alexandria, Virginia. And I was like, really? So when I started <laughs> driving, I would come down and volunteer here in Alexandria, Aww. Virginia. Um, That's so I would help cool. the sisters out and do all sorts of stuff. So it is wild to be living as a sister in the place where my vocation yeah. really like grew and like the Lord really worked in a powerful way in my heart. Um, yeah, it's bananas how the Lord like brings things full circle. Um, and He's so gentle and He works with whatever you give Him, really. <laughs> I mean, it works with me. So. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And that's so beautiful how you're like, yeah, I guess full circle is the way to describe that. Now you're on the other end of that. Um, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you have high school girls who visit you now, maybe? Who come? Yeah. So actually our national vocation office is here and I help um, do our local vocation work. Um, so it is a lot of fun. So young women will come and volunteer and I'm like, oh man, like I know exactly where you're coming from. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like I was that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and I can relate too. I've spent a fair. I visit the mother house a fair bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Sister Christina and Sister Carmen Christie know me well up there. Oh, good. Yeah, That's awesome. They're yeah. wonderful. There are the, everyone. I don't know the, everything you were saying about just feeling the peace there and like everyone just loves so deeply there, and that's beautiful. Um, oh yeah, exactly. Yes. And I'm so glad that you get to share a little glimpse of that um, because I feel like there are people, like everyone who knows the Daughters of St. Paul, at least in the Boston area, just like very passionately loves you guys so, so much. And it's like... I, am, I love that. Like, okay, so I live in Alexandria. I lived in Chicago. My last mission assignment was in Chicago. Right, this. yeah. And, and both of our um, locations are very much in the heart of the city. Um, and so people would come in from all over the place, and I would meet people from Boston a lot, and they'd be like, mm-hmm. "You're the daughter of St. Paul, and we love you." And so, like they would, li- people would literally just walk in to tell us that, and then like leave. That's awesome. They're like, "Okay, bye. Enjoy the rest of your vacation." <laughs> that's so <laughs> but it is, cool. It's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I I didn't realize that was a very characteristic Boston thing, but that it is. I don't know what is there. Like I know you have this in Dedham. It's wonderful, and I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah, interesting. So, I've been know. there a long time, so yeah, true. Yeah, and probably the Christmas concerts. Like there, there are some very dedicated mm-hmm. Christmas concert people. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we have major groupies. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. One of them, my old spiritual director, who's a deacon, he he dragged me once, and now it's a family tradition, and my family's very much a part of that now. 
Oh, I love it. That's what we, we've heard so many people that come to our Christmas concerts that we put on every year um, all over the country now, which is amazing. But it, we started in the Boston area like 20 or 20-something years ago. And people, it's true, will often say, I got, like, quote-unquote, dragged here yes. um, one time. It was like, come see numb things. Like, oh, no thanks. <laughs> um, but it, we hear a lot. It's like, you come one time and it becomes a tradition. Yes. And it's it's amazing. I I love that part of our ministry. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm so glad that we got to cross paths this past year. Um, Same. <laughs> yes. So I guess I have other questions. Actually, so Great. one question actually ties into that. So we met in person, and I was very excited to meet in person at the Christmas concert and very excited that you were going to be there because, and I think I told you this then, I had been following you since um, I came across the Ask the Postulants videos. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. That's so great. <laughs> so long ago. You've done so much good. <laughs> but it's embarrassing to watch. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, I came across those videos, and eventually um, I, I think you had... I, I don't know, I couldn't find, like, your Twitter because your name had changed by that point. And eventually I tracked down your Twitter a few years back, and I was like, this this is so cool, this is so awesome. And then I ran into you. Um, but off the whole postulant thing, um, would you like to talk about, so you entered at 20. Um, would you like to mm -hmm. talk about what happened after that, what ages other things happened? And now, I guess what you're up to now, you're at Catholic University, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kind of what, yeah, what so the timeline was like. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I entered at 20. Um, and so all of our postulants, so the first stage of formation is postulancy. And really, it's a time of discernment. Um, our postulancy lasts two years. Um, canon law, I think, says anywhere from nine months to two years. So our community takes a long road, <laughs> which as I was entering, I was like, Jesus, why am I entering the community with the longest yeah. formation ever? But as I'm living it, I'm like, why isn't it longer? Yeah. <laughs> you need it. You really need it. Um, or at least I need it. Um, so, yeah, so I entered at 20. Um, the first stage of formation is postulancy, and that lasts two years for us. Um, and our postulancy is in St. Louis. So I got to spend that time... Um, in St. Louis, and the time of postulancy is really growing in human formation, um, and then also getting kind of a baseline almost on your faith formation as well, because everybody is entering from different um, states and areas and ages and sometimes even countries. Like one of my um, co-novices is from the Philippines and then moved to Canada and then came to the United States to enter a community. Wow. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, are we all on the same page? Like, do we all know, have, like, at least a good understanding of the catechism and yeah. um, basic Christology and basic, you know. So um, we took classes um, together, and a lot of it is also just learning how to live in community because let me tell you, it ain't no joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, living with all women all the time um, in large groups is, it can be a challenge. It's also a great joy, but it can definitely be a big challenge. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is just like learning how to live with other people, um, learning how to integrate prayer and work, um, uh, and just really like learning all of that. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a stage of, of discernment. Um, it's really a time where the young woman, or in this case, me, um, mm -hmm. where I was asking like, Lord, is this really where you want? I entered into a more serious and profound stage where I was like, okay, now I'm living with these sisters and praying and working and, um, rising and, and going to sleep, like at the same time as, as the sisters, I'm living the daily schedule. Is this still how I feel? Is this still where I feel the Lord is calling me? Um, and at the same time, a lot of people don't think of this, but it's also the sisters are also um, living with the young woman, are living with me, yeah. <laughs> and are like, does this young woman fit into this life? Huh. Um, not that they're like judging you, but it yeah. is kind of like, well, we have to live with this lady for the rest <laughs> of our lives. Yeah. So like, is she a good fit? Does she seem happy and at peace? Is this something that we feel the Lord, is she a, a person that we can invite into this life with us? Um, so it's a discernment on both parts. So um, after those first two stages, um, if it's like all systems go, like if I am 
still feeling drawn by the Lord and have prayed with, like, okay, I feel like this is where the Lord is asking me to spend my life. Um, and the sisters also, in turn, are, yes, we think this young woman um, is capable of living this life and that she's called by the Lord to live this life. Um, then you move on to novitiate, and so that's in Boston. Um, you, we spend two years in Boston, and that's a little bit more of an intense time. It's almost like some of the sisters refer to it almost like a retreat, like a two-year-long retreat, hmm. um, because you're really deepening um, your prayer life, and uh, you're really deepening a sense of the Constitution, which is how I live as a daughter of St. Paul. It's kind of like the rules for living, <laughs> Um like Dominicans have a different constitution than the Franciscans, and the daughter of St. Paul have different constitutions than the So it's like we all live the same vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. All religious live those vows, but we all live them out a little bit differently. Like poverty is lived a little bit differently as a Franciscan than it is as a daughter of St. Paul. Like as a daughter of St. Paul, we have to run like equipment and yeah. buy paper to print books, you know, mm-hmm. like things like that. Um, whereas Franciscans might not have to do that. So it's like how we live our vows a little bit differently. So um, in novitiate, you're studying that um, and getting a fuller and deeper understanding of of what that looks like um, and praying a little bit more intensely. And um, yeah, so it's a beautiful time those those two years. Um, also during that time, we tend to use, do a few months in a smaller community just to get some experience um, in a smaller community. Because St. Louis, where we did postulancy, tends to be a larger community. There's anywhere from eight to ten sisters there. and So you're living kind of in a larger group. Boston is our mother house and our publishing house, so it's got yeah. you know, 70 sisters. <laughs> so um, those few short months during novitiate, they send us to a smaller house that we know what it feels like to live with only, you know, three or four sisters mm-hmm. or four or five sisters, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, to get better experience of that. So at the end of those two years of novitiate, so at this point we've done two years of postulancy, two years of novitiate, so it's four years in total, we make first profession. And so that's when um, you're really asking the Lord, like, okay, I, I believe that this is where you're calling me, and so I make the vows of poverty and chastity and obedience um, as a daughter of St. Paul. And for us, we we do um, temporary vows for five to six years. Um, I think canon law is anywhere from three to seven okay. years. Our community requires five to six years of temporary vows. And so that's the Church in her wisdom saying, okay, like you've been through formation, but now you're really going to live it, like with the habit, in the vows, um, and so the Church and the Wisdom is like, let's just, like, I don't, I hate to use it, like, try it yeah. <laughs> for a year at a time. But at the same time, my novice mistress always told us, like, you know, when you make those vows, you make them with the intention of all of your life. Like, the way, when you say those vows, it's like, if I could, if I could say forever I would, but the Church and her Wisdom is allowing me for a year to live these vows. So, um... We make our vows every year for the first five to six years, depending um, on the, the sister. And, um, and then at the end of that, um, you make final vows. But for me, I'm in my fourth year of, uh, we call it junior eight or temporary vows. So okay. I'm in my fourth year. So I've done eight years, I guess, with the sisters. I wow. can do math. Don't worry. No. <laughs> I was like, how many years is that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do <this> four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So eight years. It's been a wild ride. Wow. Yeah. And you've yeah. moved around a little bit from Boston. Did you go directly to Chicago and then to Virginia? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did, yeah, two years, two years St. Louis, two years Boston with a, like, five months in Los Angeles. Ooh. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Totally different because I'm an East Coast girl. Yeah. Um, and then after first profession, I was in Chicago for two and a half years. Um, and then I've been in Alexandria, Virginia for just over a year, a year and a third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does yeah. your daily life look like now? I know you're a student. You're pursuing mm-hmm. your so master's. I'm a very part-time student. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so like my daily life, um, the sisters, when we get up in the morning, a lot of our life is lived in common um, because community life is a big part of religious life. Yeah. Um, and so for us, here, we um, 
Kelsey, when we get up in the morning, we usually do a half an hour of meditation on the gospel first thing. Well, actually, very first thing is coffee. And then <laughs> after that, <laughs> after that, got to get priorities, right? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. coffee, and then go back to Jesus. Yes. Um, yeah, so we do a half hour of meditation or reflection on the gospel of the day. Um, so usually we're all in chapel together. It's in silence, so we reflect on the gospel of the day um, for half an hour. And then we do a morning prayer together. So it's usually the liturgy of the hours or something from our prayer book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to Mass together after Mass. Uh, sometimes Mass is at the local pair. Sometimes it's here in the convent. It depends on if we have a priest or not. Um, and then we have breakfast together. But uh, after breakfast, everybody has kind of a different uh, assignment apostolically. So the sisters will go off and do whatever it is that they've been asked to do. Um, So we have a couple of sisters who run our book center here in Alexandria on King Street. Um, They're specifically assigned here for that. So they keep that up and running. And then um, for me, I... um, I go to school part-time, so a couple of days of the week I'm over at Catholic University um, because I entered halfway through my bachelor's degree, so I'm finishing that, okay. um, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> I really love it. It's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I could go a little more because it's so, like, I'm enjoying it much more than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then along with that, so I'm a part-time student, but then I'm also um, asked to be, I was also asked to be our outreach and evangelization coordinator. Um, for the Mid-Atlantic, which Ooh. sounds insane. But what yeah. it really means is in the area, like the Maryland, Virginia, um, southern Pennsylvania area, I get to go to schools and parishes and bring resources and materials and speak at you know parishes and in classrooms and things like that, um, give people an opportunity to get some material that help them will help them grow in their faith. Um, so that's been really fun. So a lot of my week is like either preparing for a parish exhibit or book fair um, or cleaning up for what yes. or coordinating volunteers or reaching out to parishes or answering parishes who have requested us <laughs> to come, you know, things like that. So a lot of my life is emails and phone calls and <laughs> lots of books. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun because I get to meet a lot of different people. Um, so, yeah, so between schoolwork and then, like, doing all of that, I also help um, our national vocation office, as I said, is here in Virginia. So Sister Emily does um, a whole bunch of stuff preparing retreats and speaking to young women, um, and sometimes I get to help her with that. So I'll go out to um, sometimes, like, youth groups or parishes or different events, like college events, college campuses, and, and talk. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So there's a lot to keep me busy. Yeah. There's a lot to keep all of us busy. So that's what we do you know, after breakfast um, until basically evening prayer. Um, any of us would be doing any of our apostolic activities. But throughout the day, we all eat lunch at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also do an hour of adoration every day. And the Daughters of St. Paul call our hour of adoration the visit. Yeah. Um, and usually at least once a week we make the visit together, but usually throughout the week because we're all doing different things. And usually a sister has to be in the book center at all times. Um, we, during the week, we make it separately on our own. Um, but we call it the visit because it's a visit with Jesus. And that's something that I absolutely loved when I first met the sisters. It was like, like the sisters are just nonchalant. Like, I'm yeah. going to go make my yes. visit. Yes, like, I've heard so that cute. in the mother house. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we called it, it's a visit with Jesus. We're going to go, um, you know, talk to our friend, our beloved for yeah. an hour. Um, so we all get we all do that throughout the day, and then we have another half hour of prayer that we also originally call the half hour um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at some point also throughout the day. So it's just an extra hour and a half of prayer in addition to our morning um, reflection on the gospel and morning prayer. So then in the evening, we usually gather back together for evening prayer after we've closed the book center. We do evening prayer and supper. And then um, different nights of the week, we'll do recreation together. So sometimes we'll watch a movie or play a game or, yeah, Aww. all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Do something. To, sometimes we'll go out. Yeah, we'll do something, take a walk. Yeah. Oh. And somehow you fit homework in at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So recreation isn't every night, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Are you studying yeah. theology? Did you start out studying theology or... 
So, no, I actually started out, I think my transcripts as general studies. Um, so I did five semesters before I entered um, postulancy. And I was, I was general studies, like I said, but I was doing a real emphasis on photography and graphic imagery, hmm. um, are a lot of what my classes are in. So right now, so basically I have all my core classes done. And now I'm just, I get to study, I guess, get to take a lot of theology and philosophy classes, which is really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. What made you, um, as someone who's in college and has thought about religious life, what made you decide to leave after five semesters, not wait until you graduated or enter before you started college? Sure, yeah. So I, um, I know, because I knew the sisters from the time I was, like, 14, basically, um, I, the Daughters of St. Paul were something that I always came back to. So, like, all throughout high school, whether there was, like, a boy in the picture or not, like, it was, like, the Daughters of St. Paul were always something in the back of my head. And, like I said, I came to volunteer a lot. So the the sisters were always something that was, like, I think this is something that I want to do with my life. Um, And... Um, there was a short stint where I told Jesus I was going to go be a Dominican <laughs> because their habits were pretty. So I I went and I visited them, and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. That's a very beautiful vocation, and it's not mine. Um, <laughs> but Because it just was like the Daughters of St. Paul were just like this beautiful fit for me. Um, and so I kept coming back to them. So I knew the sisters, all that to, to, to say, like, I knew the sisters all through high school. Um, and I actually graduated a year early. So I was 16 and graduating high school. And at that point, I was pretty sure that I wanted to enter the Daughters of St. Paul. And the vocation director was, like, very on board um, with that. Um, with that, We had been talking about it for you know, a okay. couple of years at this point. And... Um, she had said to me, it's like, well, you can't legally enter until you're 18. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, well, I graduated at 16, but I turned 17, like, two or three months later. So I was basically 17. She was like, well, you can't enter until you're 18. And I was like, okay. So she goes, I want to ask you anyway to um, get a job and to go to college um, and live life a little bit. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I'll do that. So I kept volunteering with the sisters, but I did. I um I was a nanny, I was a piano teacher, and I worked at a grocery store. And then I started going to college. Um, and I went to a local college. So it was only a two-year school anyway, mm-hmm. um, because I knew I didn't want to go into debt, because I couldn't enter with debt. So I, um, I was working my way through college. So I did a year, <laughs> and the sisters asked if I wanted to enter, and I was like, I don't know anymore. And I like freaked out and I stopped oh. talking to the nuns <laughs> for a little while. Um, and so I ended up, um, yeah. So like, I just, I had to pray through that experience because I was like, I really enjoy college. And like, I understand now what it means to like all of the things I have to quote unquote give up, you know, um, a little bit better, you know, at, at 17, I was like, Oh, like I have to give up my car. And like, I have to, to give up like, going where I want to, when I want to, and, you know, my friends and staying out late and, you know, all of these different things. I was like, I have to give this up. Like, what does that mean? What does that look yeah. like? So, um, so that's why I ended up doing, I, the original plan was I was just going to do a year. Um, and then I, yeah, just decided, I was like, I think I need more time. So I ended up doing that um, last I ended up doing another year and a half just because I needed the time and the space to really discern um, in a more mature sense of like, what is it like, Lord, are you asking me to give this up? And if you are, I need you to give me the grace to, Mm -hmm. to offer this back to you because I know that the desires of my heart will be fulfilled in you. And I know that like all grace comes from you. And so like, you have to, you have to reconcile this within myself. And so, like, the Lord did a lot of work in those, you know, two and a half years yeah. of just, like, you know, being there with me and walking with me in this discernment journey. And, um, I mean, because it's, like, it doesn't make sense without Jesus, right? <laughs> like, really, it doesn't make sense without Jesus. Um, yeah, so that's the really long version of why I only did, <laughs> why I did two and a half okay. years instead of a year. Yeah. yeah. 
That makes sense. I, I actually graduated high school a year early as well, so I was 17 um, and could not mm-hmm. make that decision. So to college I went. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and also my mom was like, there ain't no way you're going away, you know, like yeah. to go to it. Because I was like, maybe I'll go to a four-year school. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go to the go to the local college first for the first year, and then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. ended up you ended up <laughs> taking a beautiful path. Um, yeah, but it was the Lord. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I thought it was interesting. You touched upon things that were difficult to give up, and I actually um, we were saying this earlier, but um, I tweeted out to the Catholic Twitter universe, which Catholic Twitter is a very hard thing to define. Um, it I had really to, is. Yeah, I had to describe it in an article. Um, you know, Tommy and Steve, they have a show on oh, Catholic yeah. TV, Repent and Submit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was covering for the newspaper, the like, premiere of the show, and I had to, in a very like academic, like BC journalist voice, describe what Catholic Twitter was. And I feel like I might have failed that a little bit. But... <laughs> I'm sure it was fine. It's really <laughs> undefinable. Yeah. It's whatever you want it to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just some very humorous, very, I don't know. And I'm glad that you're a part of this Catholic Twitter community. You have a very big following. Um, and there there are some interesting things that go on there. But anyway, I tweeted out um, wondering if Catholic could, if Catholic Twitter could ask you anything, what would they ask you? And we got some good mm-hmm. good answers going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of them, one that you actually tagged me in, because I think it was very beautifully worded, um, was what was the biggest or most difficult dream you had to surrender when you answered God's call? And I don't know, I wanted to know, even before I saw that question, um, what you would define as kind of your biggest joys of lifestyle as a sister, not necessarily the vocation, like as a whole, but like your day-to-day life, what's your biggest joys, but what's also your biggest struggles? And along with that question, like what were the hardest things to give up? Yeah. When I was, when I, I did see that because I tagged you in it. Um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a good question. I was like, like, I think right before I called you, I was like, oh, I actually should think about the <laughs> answer to that question. Yeah. Like, I was like, what was the hardest thing? And honestly, the thing that keeps coming back to me is like, um, you know, the thing that keeps coming back to me is like almost giving up my physical motherhood, I mm-hmm. think was the hardest thing for me to give up. I mean, for sure, it was hard to give up like my car or like, um, you know, having my own time to, you know, I can go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But I think for me, the hardest thing was knowing that I'll never have my own children. Like I'll never bear my own children. Um, And that's something that I've had to surrender to the Lord regularly, like in, in my own religious life. It's not like I struggled with it before I entered and was like, okay, Lord, here it is. And like, that was it. Yeah. I was like, no, it comes up, you know, again and again. And it's something you know, as a woman that I just have to like give back to the Lord and be like, okay, like Lord in you, all things are fulfilled. And this is a longing of my heart. And so like, you need to fulfill this. And so like a way that I've concretely had to um, kind of live the offering of that dream is um, by kind of, uh, by adopting spiritual children, really. Mm. Um, There's a couple of priests that I regularly pray and offer for. um, And there's a couple of people that um, are in my life that I regularly pray and offer for. And then as a daughter of St. Paul, um, there are a number, are a few celebrities that I regularly offer and pray for. Um, right. And so, yeah, or like people in the entertainment industry. So um, that's something that like when I am feeling that longing or that hurt or that um, desire, because it's a good desire to be a mother, to be um, nurturing, um, I, I have to offer that back to the Lord. And sometimes, like, I have to, like, go to the chapel and say it out loud. Be like, today it hurts, Jesus. Like, you have to take it. <laughs> like, mm. This this is for you. Um, and, yeah, so that's something that I think that's the biggest dream that has been a struggle. But it's something I've had to live with the Lord. And it's a really real thing. Um, and it's a very human thing. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, throughout the day, it's like, so, yeah, that's one of the challenges, too, is, like, sometimes when you're feeling like that, you're just, like, things are hard, or everybody goes through that. I mean, religious sisters and priests are not exempt from hard stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
sometimes like that's the challenge is to like like I don't want to go to chapel and like sit in silence like that sounds like the worst possible thing right now (laughs) but like going to that it's a challenge but it's a joy and then um the other thing is like my sisters in community um something that I've said before that I absolutely love I was talking to a sister who um had lost a relative someone who was close to her and she was saying um because we pray uh, morning prayer and evening prayer in common. She said, um, it's really hard some days. She goes, some days it's really hard to even make it to chapel. And even though or even when I make it to chapel, I can't even bring myself to say the word sometimes just you know, because of grief, because mm-hmm. of all of that. She's like, I can't. But I know that my sisters say those words for me and in communion with me, even though my lips can't utter them. My sisters are praying them with me and for me and over me. And um, and she goes, and I pray that, like, when I make it through this, that I, I will do the same thing for another sister, that when she's sitting there and can't bring herself to say the words, I can do that for her. And I thought that that was a really beautiful and tangible way of expressing our life together is, like, yeah, it's not always easy to live with, you know, 50 <laughs> other women or, like, even five other women but it's like we can buoy each other up in those difficult times. It's like when I can't say those, when I can't pray, my sisters are praying for me and with me. Um, and when I can pray, I can pray for and with my sisters who are struggling. Um, and so, yeah, like, I guess it's more in, like in general, but it is also very concrete um, because we do pray every day and with one another and even on our own. So, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very beautiful. That, and I can see why, I don't know, I got a little taste of that. A student at Boston College passed away two weeks ago who was very involved mm-hmm. in campus ministry. So the campus mm-hmm. ministry community was, I don't know, you you described it very beautifully, how, how community can hold each other up when different people are having their hard days. Um, right. But But I guess you entered into that for a lifetime, and that is so much more special because I've done a lot of thinking about how, like, much tighter and closer this community has become in the past two weeks um but Mm -hmm. i will leave them in three years but you you have that forever and that's that's beautiful yeah Yeah. Yeah. um another so switching switching from something heavy Mm -hmm. to maybe something a little bit less heavy but also (laughs) another challenge it came up i got a few texts in response to that tweet and there were a couple replies to that tweet that centered around thoughts about wearing a habit thoughts about no makeup Someone mentioned something about like pedicures. There, there was a lot of discussion <laughs> of that, and also I wanted to know what it felt like to change your name as well. Um, I don't know what. There's a lot of changes that come, and I guess I want to hear what your real, authentic take on all of that is. Sure. Yeah. So I think for me, in discernment, um, choosing not choosing, but like when I was discerning, having a habit was really important to me because, um, I don't know, I guess, especially even as a millennial, it's like I'm super, and as a person, I'm just <laughs> super visual. Okay. Like to me, um, seeing something is really, um, it's really important to me. Um, and so I, it was really important to me that the, that the community that I entered would wear a habit. And for me, um, I find it really beautiful, and it actually really struck me in Chicago, I think mostly because it was my first assignment where I was wearing the habit, um, but also because it's such a big city, um, that I I speak of God without opening my mouth. When I walk down the street, people know what I'm about, mm-hmm. most people. Um, I mean, there are certainly some people that are like, are, are, like, what are you? Are you Muslim or are you like Jewish or are you like, what are you? Um, but for the most part, people know that I'm a nun. They might not know I'm a daughter of St. Paul, but they know that I'm, I'm with the Catholic Church, yeah. like that Jesus is a part of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, I can get on public transit and make people think of God, whether they like it or not. You know, <laughs> I walk down the street and people know. Um and so, to me, like, the habit is um, is important. Um, and so, like, yeah, so it was important to me, and, and I'm grateful that we wear one, um, and we wear something distinct. Um, 
What was the other part of that question? Um, I had an answer and I already forgot. <laughs> there was there was makeup and things of that type, and there was also changing your name. Oh, changing my name. That was what I was thinking of. Uh, well, makeup for me was like it was kind of hard to give up because I struggled with really bad acne through most of my teenage and adult life. And so it was something that I just had to like offer back to the mm-hmm. Lord every time somebody would make a comment about it or when I would like have a really bad breakout, like feel self-conscious. It's just something that I had to live and not everybody has to deal with it, but um, yeah. so it was. Makeup was actually really hard. It was harder than I like to admit to okay. give up for me. <laughs> um, and as far as the pedicure thing goes, I hate people touching my feet, so that was not a thing for me. <laughs> yeah, that was a very interesting question. That, that I know. I thought it was. I thought it was cute. Her the the lady's question was something like she wanted to give sisters a pedicure so that they wouldn't feel self conscious about having their feet washed at Holy Thursday yes, Mass yeah. or something. And I was like, that's a very sweet gesture, but I don't. I don't yeah. think the nuns will go for it. But anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but the whole name change thing, actually, in our community, the way that we do names is now. Our community has kind of gone through a transition um, because back in the old days, <laughs> um, the superior would just give you a name at the mass. Like, you didn't really know ahead of time. It was just given to you. Um And then at another point in history, our sisters would write out three choices, and then the superiors would pick one, and that's when you would get. Um, And then now, the way that it works is um, that you do, in novitiate, you pray with, um, the last, like, six months of novitiate, you pray with um, a name, and you ask the Lord, like, what is a name, what is what is the name that you're calling me to take? Um, and in our community, we add a name to our baptismal name. Okay. So my whole name is actually Sister Chelsea Bethany. So my baptismal name is Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked to add Bethany to my name um, because it means a lot for me. And I, 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 there are a couple of names that I prayed with, but Bethany was the one that I didn't even realize how much it was a part of my story. Um, and, um, yeah, and I don't know that we have time for (laughs) for that whole thing, but, um, but anyway, it's, I will, if you're curious, oh, folks, you can let me know. My socials, I'm sure, will be somewhere. You can find me. Just Google Sister Bethany, I come up. Um, but anyway, so, like, yeah, so, like, asking for, um, Bethany as my profession name meant a great deal to me, and the short version of that is that I wanted the heart of Mary, who was the contemplative, Martha, who was the active, the servant part, and Lazarus, who was the best friend of Jesus, who was raised from the dead. Um, And so, like, just wanting those hearts of, like, um, a contemplative in action with, while being raised from the dead, from being raised from my sin time and time again, um, and that Jesus um, is going to be there. Um, and call my name whenever I'm dead in my sin. And so, like, it means a lot to me. There is so much there, Olivia. Yeah. I wish I could tell you more. I could just do <laughs> there could be a whole episode. On Bethany. Yes, exactly. I really could. It's, actually, when I presented my letter to my provincial, she was like, wow, you must you, you must have either really prayed with this name or you want it really bad. And I was like, both? Yeah. <laughs> All of the above. It's a long letter. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's beautiful, though. So um, anyway, so I received um, Bethany. So when I make, made my profession, I, I made my profession as Sister Chelsea Bethany. Now, I decided to go by Bethany because Bethany means a great deal to me. Um, I was also just very, very, very tired of whenever I would introduce myself as Sister Chelsea, people would be like, oh, like Chelsea Clinton? And I was like, no, not like Chelsea Clinton. And then worse, when I was in L.A., they were like, like Chelsea Handler? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> She's a horrible comedian. Um, so I was like, no, not like her at all. So um, I was just kind of getting tired of that. And Bethany meant a lot to me. And Chelsea Bethany is a mouthful. So I decided to just stick with one. <laughs> um, but I'm my family still just calls me Sister Chelsea because I will always be Chelsea to them. Um, but I typically just introduce myself as Sister Bethany um, because it's just easier to remember and it means a lot to me. So, yeah. but I really don't. I I don't get mad about like whatever people want to call yeah. me. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. 
Yeah, I, I guess we can redirect that conversation back to the wonderful world of Catholic Twitter if people want to know oh, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your username is at Sister Bethany FSP, right? That's right, yeah. yes. Because it's Daughters of St. Paul in Latin, FSP, yeah. I've never asked so that DSP question before. Mm-hmm. People ask all the time, they're like, why isn't it DSP? I'm like, well, because they're an international congregation. Mm-hmm. Our community's initials are in Latin, which is Celia San Pablo. Or okay. Paolo. Huh. Yeah, so um, so it's FSP instead of DSP. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right, so I think, unfortunately, we have to wrap up in a couple of minutes. Um, okay. This has, this has been a, a beautiful conversation. But I do have – we've been doing this thing at the end of podcasts, and so far it's led to many funny – remember how I was telling you earlier that we had a conversation about otters? This is yes. where that came up. I'm not really sure how it came up. But we've been doing Catholic quick questions at the end, just to get, like, your, your favorites and things like that. I don't oh, expect okay. otters to come up in this okay. one. Well, you never know. No. Goats <laughs> might come up, but not otters. I yes. Goats, yes. So. <laughs> right. You grew up with goats, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> They're still my favorite. I feel like I need to add a question now. What's your favorite animal? Just because it's come up every time. <laughs> so goats. You should. You definitely should. I think you should. And my answer is goats. Okay. All right. That will be added from now on. Perfect. All right. So are you ready for my quick questions other than animals? I'm ready. I'm right. ready. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Oh, probably the Gospel of John. That's a good Or one. the Psalms. Okay. Those are honestly the two that I would say. I might add revelations in there, but those two are... Yes. I know. I'm, like, thinking of all the letters of St. Paul that are also awesome, but I'm going to stick with my guns. Gospel of John. Okay. Oh, cool too, by the <laughs> All right. Um, what's your favorite book in general? Oh, my favorite, like, book book? Yeah, like, any book. Oh, my book. gosh. And I can't choose the Bible. No. Well, um, actually, someone last episode <laughs> did. He was like, I don't read, and then <laughs> picked the Bible. <laughs> that was, I had yeah, high schoolers awesome. on last, earlier this week. <laughs> that's amazing. I think, okay, so a book that I've gone back to time and time again um, is Story of the Soul by St. Therese. And it's a book that is just so dog-eared and underlined that it's probably my favorite book. Okay. That's a, that's a really beautiful answer. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. What's your favorite musician or band? Oh, my goodness. I'm such a music junkie. This is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to say right now. Okay. I'm going to answer for right now. Okay. The new Amanda Cook album yes. is like rocking my world. House Upon a mm-hmm. Hill or House on the Hill is like so beautiful. Audrey Assad also speaks to my heart like that. So I would say probably those two. Um, my favorite to play is Beethoven. Okay. Because I play piano. So, yeah. That's a fun fact. We'll go with that. Nice. <laughs> um, I, I guess similar to that, what's your favorite praise and worship song right now? Is it House on a Hill? Right Right now, House on a Hill, also the song um, Mercy by, I can't remember if it's by Bethel Music or it also might be Amanda Cook. I cannot remember. Okay. But look it up. Bethel is awesome. Bethel is, mm-hmm. I pre- play praise and worship um, guitar and Bethel is always the go-to for whenever we're planning an adoration. Yeah. Well, it's also usually not too terribly com- uh, complicated either. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. A lot of repeating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next question. What's your favorite place that you've traveled? Oh, wow. Um, probably Our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine in Mexico City. I got to go there as a postulant. Um, we were studying in Mexico. We were studying Spanish for a couple of weeks, and we had the grace to go visit Our Lady of Guadalupe twice. Wow. Which we knew we were going once, and the second time was a surprise. So that's probably been my favorite. Okay, that's that's a good one. I've gotten answers like Washington D.C. or New York oh. or something like that. That's that's oh, yeah. a solid answer. I mean, I mean, all of those places are cool. I've visited so many places, but I think one of the ones that it was most um, impressive to me was Our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine. Okay, Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. What's your favorite form of prayer or way to pray, or prayer? Oh wow. Um, I think actually my favorite way to pray is with scripture. Um, but with scripture in front of the Blessed Sacrament, so it's like combo prayer. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I feel like even when I'm going through a dry spell or a difficult um, prayer, like moment in, in my prayer life, um, that scripture is something 
I will go back to a verse that has given me a lot of life before that the Lord has spoken to me and before, and kind of like just that prayer of remembrance of like, okay, Lord, like you've spoken to me in this again, and you can always keep your promises. So, and, and the gospels of the day, there's always something new and something beautiful, even if you've heard the passage before. So I think one of my favorite ways of prayer is praying with scripture. Yeah. With the Word of God in front of God. With the Word of God. In front of God. Yeah, exactly. With the Word of God in front of God. Yes. Inundated. It's great. (laughs) That is. If you could meet any Pope, who would it be? Oh, man. I know. Okay, I'm torn. I'm torn because I would obviously love to meet JP, too, but I really just want to have a beer with with Pope Benedict. Mm. Like, I just want to, like, sit with Papa Emeritus and just like he's a teacher and he's like such a German grandpa. I mean yes. I just want to know what he's like. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, this is another hard question. I'm sorry. There's been a lot of hate in response to this question. But if you could be BFFs oh. with any one saint, who would it be? Oh no. I know. Uh- <laughs> I'll give you maybe two. I've been doing male and female if people can't decide. You get Ooh, one okay. male, one I female. I like this. Yeah. I like this. Okay. I think, I think, oh man, I don't think this is hard. <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> I think, I think maybe St. Paul. Okay. Um, I think St. Paul, because he's somebody I would love to get to know better. Um, he's somebody I haven't always had like a great relationship with because I didn't understand. So I'd love to understand like his heart. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think St. Paul. And then the other one uh, maybe mother. I'm okay. I'm, I have two people in my head. Okay. I will choose one, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> both of them. Mother Teresa or our founder, Mother Tecla Marillo. Okay. Um, yeah. Mother Teresa has carried me through some rough times. Um, just like she's been a real sister to me in the last few years. So I really love her. Um, but I would really love to be BFS with our foundress. Um, Mother Tecla, because she's she's venerable. Um, she's a really holy woman, um, and she knew our founder well, and she understood him and his heart, and she lived in really difficult moments, and um, she had a great trust in the Lord. Um, so I think I think I'm going to have to say Venerable Mother Tecla Marillo and St. Paul, and those are such polite answers. <laughs> yes, they are, but that's wonderful, and I don't think I would expect anything else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have for quick questions. I guess my wrap-up question is if you have any advice for people discerning or anything that you want the To the Heights podcast listeners to know from a daughter of St. Paul. Big question, I know. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, You know, like, at least advice-wise, the the thing I always tell young women and young women, young men who are asking, like, oh, sister, like, how do I know my vocation or like, what do I do? I just tell them like, form a relationship with the Lord. Like if, if you want to know what the Lord wants, ask him, mm. you know, yeah. so like um, pray, like really and truly just plop yourself in front of the blessed sacrament. You don't need a lot of big fancy words. Um, just if whenever, if you can find a church or, and if not, my postulant formator actually, um, I couldn't always get to, my home parish and I was home like on vacation and things with the passion. She was like, just sit in the, like in your room. And she's like, face the church. Like, mm-hmm. if you know where the church is, like face the church and pray in your room if you can't get to a church. Um, but like, don't be afraid to pray, like build a relationship with the Lord. Because like I said before, like religious life doesn't make sense without Jesus and no vocation makes sense without Jesus. Um, so it's like really ask him what he wants. Um, and don't be afraid of that question either, because I promise you that Jesus doesn't want you to be miserable. I promise you that God did not create you to be miserable. God created you for greatness, and He created you for happiness. And He created you to be one with Him, which is happiness, which is great. Yes. Um, and so, like, just don't be afraid to pray and to form a relationship with the Lord. Um, and He'll show you the way. And He often speaks to us through peace. And He often speaks to us, um, yeah, He often speaks through peace gentle, quiet peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to pray and follow the peace. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. My little advice. <laughs> yeah, that's such good advice. Yeah. 
and has been a reoccurring theme throughout, I guess, the past few podcast episodes, um, starting with our first guest, who was a youth minister, and she has the beautiful quote, if you don't pray, you will fail. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yep, you need prayer in order to find peace. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this has been such a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for being on and just sharing your heart and answering some wonderfully interesting questions and some good questions and having heartfelt conversations. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and for hosting. You were wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of the To The Heights podcast. And a big thank you to Sister Bethany for calling in. I honestly couldn't stop smiling the entire time as she brings so much life and love and radical joy to any conversation. So thank you, Sister Bethany. I hope you all enjoyed listening in, learned some things about the real life of a young religious sister, and are feeling inspired to keep on reaching to the heights and glorifying God in your own life. Be sure to tune in next week for another awesome guest, but until then, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ToTheHeightsCTV. Or find me at Olivia Rose underscore art or OliviaRoseArt.com. And you can find Sister Bethany at SRBethanyFSP. Talk to you next week and keep on reaching to the heights. <laughs>